Welcome to another episode of Differences Not Deficits, where we discuss what we are learning and changing in our therapy so we can support and empower neurodivergent individuals with compassion and respect. Thank you for listening so we can all learn together. The primary purpose of Differences Not Deficits is to educate and inform. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not constitute educational or medical advice. Listeners should consult with their professionals familiar with each individual or family for specific guidance. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Differences Not Deficits. Yolandi and I had the pleasure of interviewing Martin Moxness, and we are so excited to share it with you. Martin is an autistic adult. He lives in Denmark and is a successful Instagram and TikTok influencer. He also has a gift for music and photography. Absolutely beautiful. Martin is autistic and uses his platform to raise awareness of autism, as well as Tourette syndrome and ADHD. So during this conversation, we discuss his life, his husband, the struggles he had growing up, what socialization means to him, his experience with interoception, and much more. Today's episode is actually going to be part one of part two with him. We decided to break it down to make it a little bit easier to listen to. So let's get started. Hello, Martin. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you grew up in your environment? Yes, sure. Um, I I grew up in, well, I'm adopted from Colombia, actually. So I came to Denmark when I was one year old. Um, and then uh, my environment was pretty calm, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing too fancy, I guess, but it's it was really nice. We lived by the seaside, uh, close to Copenhagen, and uh, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> and, and there was so I lived by the seaside uh, near to Copenhagen, and it was very nice being near the water and going for long walks and things. Um, so it was pretty relaxed atmosphere. Hmm. Is there anything special that, um, like, as far as your upbringing and childhood, like, what was it like for you? Because you are an autistic adult, right? Mm -hmm. Were you diagnosed when you were young or? No, actually, in the start, of, I seemed like any other kid, I guess, maybe a little bit slower, but they figured maybe it was because I was adopted and there, there's a lot of, okay. so I was a, a bit more, you could say, slow in development that way. Uh, the first year is very important, I hear. So um, I'm, I missed out on that as far as, you know, uh, Colombia didn't do very well uh, to me. So it was a bit different that way. Uh, but when I came to Denmark, I had to uh, learn everything. I like it, Danish, you know, and, and it went just fine. There wasn't really a major issue in the start, but uh, it only came later on that they kind of noticed a few things that, might be a bit out of the ordinary, even for somebody that's adopted. So uh, that's when they noticed that I, I didn't really function like everybody else did and developed in the same pace, even when I got older. Uh, and I got my diagnosis at around 10 years old. Uh, okay. And before that, I had actually been in a normal school, a uh, normal kindergarten, everything, uh, but had to redo a class uh, because they felt I wasn't really developing as fast. Uh, then we moved and I came to another school where everything went fine for a few grades. And then they again sensed that I, I was a bit behind in some areas, even though I, I had already skipped the grades. So I was the oldest one in class. Um, and it was a bit weird that way that they still didn't really feel that I was quite up to the challenge. Um, 
And so um, the school kind of wanted me out at that point. <laughs> it was a bit of a, you could say, an issue for them to have me there because I was a bit more disruptive uh, okay. because I was starting to have these vocal tics. And also I was very energetic. So <laughs> that doesn't really mix well with needing to sit still and everything and what's expected of you when you become older, <laughs> you could say. So. Yeah. so I think I was in, in Denmark, it's third grade, I guess, uh, I had that, and then when I had to shift to fourth grade, they they noticed that it, it didn't really work out. So they put me in a psychiatric uh, school. They could say it's, it sounds a bit strange, but it's. Uh, I came home at the end of the days, and the days were a little bit longer than normal school days, actually, surprisingly. But it worked like there was a lot of one to one with uh, teachers and stuff. So it was it was very they were very observant of what I what I how I function you could say okay. and tried to diagnose me that way but it was something that took like over a year so so it was very a long time because I felt like I got taken out of the element that I was used to and with all the friends that I've gotten and everything like that so it was a huge step for me to take in a very strange direction because I didn't really feel like there was anything wrong yeah. or that I was that disruptive but the other school had already given me a special education teacher to kind of go along with me and kind of tag along in class, which was very awkward because I was the only one that had a guy next to me, you could say. So it was, it was a bit strange that way. And, and they couldn't really figure out how to best accommodate me that way, even though they did have a special education class in that school as well. It was like, no, <laughs> you won't even function there. Oh. So we, we can't really. Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it somehow didn't work. They just wanted me out. So. When I came to that other school, it was it was nice to take a slower pace, but I also felt like I was missing out on important school work and stuff that I was kind of used to doing. Uh, and it was more about observing me in more of a social interaction, more so than educational in that regard, even though they also had a school. Hmm. Um, and then I got the diagnosis of, I think the primary diagnosis was ADHD at first, and then Tourette's syndrome, and then uh, autism. So it was, ah, <laughs> it's very uh, complicated. Um, but yeah, they figured it out. And and then after that, I I must have been at around 10 years old when, when I got there. But I was, I think maybe at 11, I got put in a school for autistic children. Uh, and it was very different as well, but way more accommodating, you could say. And at the moment, I didn't like it at all because I felt like it wasn't really me and I couldn't really recognize myself as an autistic person because I had a different view of what autism was and all of that. So yeah. it was a bit difficult to suddenly be in an environment that was so overly accommodating, I felt, suddenly to what I was used to. <laughs> and, and also that I felt like I just wanted to go back to that other school. So it was a bit tricky that way. Uh, when you just want to be normal and you want to function like everybody else, it's a bit tricky when you feel like you're being held back, but actually you're being accommodated and, you know, yeah. people try to accommodate you at least in the way that you function. Uh, but it was a bit of a setback, I felt, but it was also the only place I could really be at that point. So it was a bit tricky. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your parents. Like, how were they supporting you during this time? I mean, I know changing schools and things is difficult and, you know, the transition for you alone is difficult. So like, you know, were your parents a big support and all that? Yeah, they were, they were a big support. And they were also the ones that really advocated for me and tried to get me through everything. And 
and also the first ones, you really notice that it didn't really go go very well uh, because, like when, when I said the first school, like wanted me out, um, I was like, no, I don't want to to change schools, and I'd rather jump out of a window. That's that was my comment, and then they they kind of took it from there, and they knew that it. <laughs> I, I wasn't going back there for sure, and they didn't want me there either way. So there, there were the kind of people that set it in, in motion and really wanted to do what was best for me at the time, even though I didn't really recognize it at, at the moment. Um, yeah, that must have been so hard. So yeah, I mean, regardless of diagnosis, they all, they're my parents, and they always knew that I functioned differently. And I guess they just automatically accommodated that and tried to find better ways to react if I was saying a lot of ticks or something and they didn't really get it. They might not always have understood me, but I always knew they had my best interest at heart. And sometimes it takes a while to really figure out the best way to go about it. And sometimes it's a hit and miss, but I feel like they, they did their best. So <laughs> you can't really ask for more, you know, especially when it's so complicated and, you know, yeah. that's fair. Hmm. Um, so we are going to kind of talk about a little bit. I know that you've been known for raising awareness about autism, Tourette's and ADHD on your social media platforms. And if you haven't seen Martin on social media, I, I totally wholeheartedly tell you to watch him because he is phenomenal. He is amazing. And I can sit there and watch him for three hours at a time. Oh, thank you. While we're talking about that, can you tell our listeners where to find you if they were interested in? Yeah. Uh, yeah just just search for a different spectrum uh, i'm on instagram mostly and also tiktok occasionally <laughs> but yeah definitely instagram at the moment okay uh and that's that's kind of my go-to at the moment but there's so many different places where one could put down Absolutely. as far as starting social media hmm. um can you share a little bit about that journey you know now at instagram and tiktok influencer i would call you yeah, it's so weird. But yeah, it's I suppose after I finally got out of that school and kind of went through the process of rediscovering myself as an autistic person after I figured out that it's it's not really working just ignoring all of these different traits that make me different. And it's hard if you work against yourself instead of actually figuring out yourself and working with the traits that you have. And that can kind of make a huge mis mismatch as far as functioning if you really don't listen to yourself or the way that you function and figure out ways that you function when you're at your best. So what I think it's appropriate for our, um, the question, what, what helped you to uh, discover that about yourself and to get to that point? What was the big thing that really helped you to kind of look at yourself and see what you needed and who you were? After all of the school stuff and I kind of had to start working, it's a bit tricky sometimes uh, and because I didn't really have much of an education, really. So it was, how do I get started with this? And, you know, I actually went, okay, once people gave me a chance. Um, but eventually, I also uh, entered a profession that was a bit more social than I could really manage. And I felt like it was very difficult for me to do as well as I saw most people around me did, um, if that makes sense. And, you know, it's... After that, I didn't really know what to do when I felt like that wasn't really the way for me to go because of those social difficulties that arose with that approach. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I kind of had to figure out, like, why isn't this working? And I felt like I was do either doing it wrong or I just didn't really know where to go from there. And I felt like I was kind of crashing, you could say. And I suppose depression hit and, you know, really all of the anxiety and not really knowing what to do with my life. And that kind of kickstarted me into 
looking at myself in a different perspective and really figuring out, oh, that's why that didn't work out for me that way with that approach. And then figuring out, like, if I do this differently, maybe it'll be easier for me. And then figuring out these different quirks and, and really seeing it work better for me once mm. I took that more inclusive approach of what really works better for me. So, so that's kind of what got me into it. And then really, you know, doing a lot of research and kind of making autism and ADHD and everything my special interest, really, because that allowed me to kind of view it into perspective more broadly and figuring out like maybe these traits doesn't fit me but you know some some do and and figuring out that like what do i do when i have these traits and really figuring it all out that way and that really helped me to look inwards and and react outwards in a different way where i could be more inclusive of myself and my support needs but also just view the whole world and myself in a different light and you know it's that rediscovery journey of yourself that you go through when you finally realize and you acknowledge that you're different and i think that really helped both with the depression and anxiety but also just really seeing wh where i should go from there and that's kind of what also got me into the whole blogging and viewing other people blog about being different and, and seeing that and relating to what they were saying and that really helped me so wow that's amazing that you were kind of took that upon yourself to to do that. That's not a lot of people can do that, Martin. Do how old were you about that time when you were kind of discovering this about yourself? Oh, it was very late actually. Despite getting the diagnosis at, at 10, it was not something I really saw in myself. And therefore, if they're wrong about this, they're wrong about that and that. And it's like I wouldn't have anything to do with it. And right. I didn't want to be treated like an autistic person, you know, and being placed in a school for autistic people. I was like, I'm not autistic. <laughs> kind of <laughs> it was it was very uh, troublesome that way because it didn't really allow me to really flourish as well as I knew I would have if I'd just kind of taken it in and really had I guess they, they must have explained it to me a uh, hundred times, but I just wasn't really open to it and seeing myself in that part of the spectrum. Even if I didn't think that's what autism was, I should have had a more broad spectrum of what it could be and what it meant for me. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot your question. Oh, I was wondering <laughs> about what, like how old you were about. Oh, yeah, it's, it was rather late. It was, now I'm 32, but it must have been maybe... I'm not sure, maybe even 23 or something. I'm not sure. Around, probably around there. It's it's rather late. Yeah, you probably had to mature enough to be able to look at yourself. I think so, yeah. I, th I think it, it took that crash and also the maturity that I had at the moment to really see, like, this isn't working. And why isn't it working? And figuring figuring out everything and being open to figuring it out, I suppose. And that's amazing that you're sharing that because figuring out who you are first as a person because there's nothing that's not amazing and special about you. Mm. And so you have amazing things to offer just like everyone else. And we're now learning from more adults, you know, that have disabilities and saying, oh, there is a different way to do this. <laughs> and so you're an inspiration. So, Oh, thank you. But yes, I think both with all the knowledge that we get and, you know, it's early intervention, you could say, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very important to realize this early on. Absolutely. But also get the self-realization early on, even extra help with that, because it can be very difficult when you're young. But I think the sooner you really realize it and, and take it in, the sooner you can really work with it and figure out yourself. Yeah. And maybe the acceptance, like helping 
our the young ones know who they are and accept who they are and not make it a stigma. I feel like maybe yeah. when you were younger, it might have been more of a stigma to be. Definitely. Just, yeah. I guess, in, in general, you always want to fit in. And yeah. That alone can sometimes be a factor that plays into you don't want to be seen as different. And, yeah. and taking that in, if people say that you're different, you, you might go, no, I'm not. I'm like everybody else. And, you know, so, yeah. so that makes sense. Absolutely. So um, we know that you're in a relationship. Can you tell us the story of how you met your husband? Oh, yes. Um, I met uh, Daniel is his name. I met him online, actually. And I think online dating is, is somewhat of a, is, is very, you could say, relatively new <laughs> in the way that it works. And I think it's really cool because especially if you're a bit introvert or socially anxious, it can be a way for you to kind of, get past that step in a way where you can connect to people online and not necessarily just face to face and yeah. you know, uh, go, f go for a drink kind of deal, uh, but more like figuring out people's interests beforehand and seeing if you have a potential match and, and going that route and figuring that out. Uh, and we, we clicked on, on several interests. So it was very nice to, to see somebody that was, that was having this the same approach and sometimes also very different but in a way it still kind of clicked yeah. and it made sense uh, yeah how long have you guys been together oh we've been together for i think 10 and a half years now wow. and been been married for over one and a half years at least maybe two years oh. now <laughs> so that was very nice so newly was kind of <laughs> Yeah. kind of <laughs> so, so yeah I think it's it's very cool when you have somebody that can supplement you and and sometimes if you have some traits they might have other traits and very different ones yeah. How's that? <laughs> but they might still supplement you very yeah. well um, and I like that because he's he's very different and originally I wouldn't necessarily have thought that it would have been a match because he is so different uh, where he's very you could say he's not extrovert but he functions very extrovertly well if that makes sense where yeah. i'm very introverted and, and i don't function very well socially necessarily depending on the people i hang out with um, yeah and it's it's very interesting how that works and and also to see his approach to life and issues that he has if he finds problems and how he solves them teaches me a lot about how to go about things in the best way that i can sometimes um i think that helps me a lot Oh, it sounds like you actually really complement each other. You know, you have different yeah, def and, definitely, and you you use each other's strengths to to make it work. So that's awesome. I mean, do you other than yeah. meeting somebody online and not having that necessarily face to face interaction? Is there any advice you could share with any autistic adults that are trying to find relationships? Yeah, I mean, it's at first like disclosing if you're different is is also a something that that can be a bit scary yeah. but i think it it helps at the moment he didn't know and i didn't really know either <laughs> but i always knew i was different but not that it was something i really should have disclosed early on um and i'm not sure if that's if that really helps or not but i think it it, it sometimes helps to break the barrier so you don't necessarily feel that you have to mask those different traits if you let them know beforehand um, yeah. at least not as much maybe, maybe we naturally mask <laughs> when we know we are supposed to be at our best um, but still it, it might help breach the gap between that uh, both communication and, 
that scary first step where you feel like maybe I should mask uh, in this interaction, but maybe not as much if they already know. Yeah, that makes sense. That does totally make sense. sense. Yeah, because I, I mean, it, it just not that I mean, I think Yolandi and I both feel like the labels are, how do we say, kind of put you in a box at times, too. But mm. yeah, yeah, that too. But yeah. I guess just knowing who you are is so so at that time when you met your your husband did you this is at the beginning kind of your of your journey kind of discovering yourself or was that it was way it was later no, it was way okay, later so, on yeah. that i really figured it out actually maybe not that far off but still okay. it wasn't something we talked about in the start i think we went home to my parents for a while and they kind of <laughs> let him know actually uh and it was more of a yeah yeah actually <laughs> yes <laughs> kind of thing but it was it, kind of was what it was but it wasn't like mm -hmm. the first thing i told him uh it wasn't really a discussion per se you could yeah. say back then well, maybe it was you know when you're mm -hmm. ready or when well i guess if your parents <laughs> kind of told him yeah that's that's funny i don't know <laughs> yeah it's a bit funny i mean in the start when they told people that i were, was autistic because they are very over will tell your friends uh, and stuff uh, to help me but i felt like no don't ever tell anyone i'm autistic so, so it was a, a lot of uh, angry moments there, but but yeah, it was so oh, awkward. Um, and I suppose I suppose you don't want to be put in that box either when you feel like that box is hurtful to your, you could say, social image or whatever. Be, it's, yeah. It, I suppose it's, it's also difficult if you feel like people will judge beforehand before really knowing you, if that's the first thing you let them know. Yes. Um, and I suppose that's also a factor, but I also think it's important to choose the right mate in the way where if they're curious enough they'll ask about it and that can be a conversation starter and they might get to know you on the right foot instead of <laughs> you getting caught on the wrong foot if that makes sense where it might be an issue down the road where i, I suppose that also works with you know it's the same issue when you want to find a workplace should i disclose my diagnosis to them but if it's an issue down the road it might have been better to disclose it but if it's the first thing you say, you might also not get hired. So it's it's one of those things where you have to find a balance and knowing the right time to say it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Debbie and my goal is to kind of change that language. Like just because, you know, you have this label, it doesn't mean it defines you. It doesn't mean it puts you in this box that you now are not able to do what no, people do. Exactly. And so, you know, that stigma is still very much there. And so... It's, there's a lot of stigma yeah, there, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we we've been trying to kind of get away from the words social when we talk about neurodivergent and connecting with people. We notice that all the time that socializing can look different to many people, and we're trying to normalize that. We're trying to say, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a one-on-one -on -one conversation back and forth. So, what are your thoughts true, on true. social? I think there's a lot of potential fun time in parallel play, <laughs> where it's not necessarily sitting in front of each other and talking, but more so doing things together separately but in the same room for example where i could be playing my playstation and my boyfriend could be doing something on his computer kind of thing um where we can still talk and we can still have communication that way but it doesn't necessarily involve eye contact you could say or yeah. or yeah i i think we definitely sometimes as neurodivergent people seek out different ways that are more inclusive of that approach to socializing you could say 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Absolutely. And it can be it can be both more parallel player. It can be a whole different thing where it's more of a online thing as well. I have a lot of online friends that I consider very close friends, but we might not actually meet up in person. So, and and it can be really good friendships that you feel like is is mutual, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Where we really feel that connection and and friendship, but we might not really hang out in person necessarily. And do you, when you're online with those friends, is it um is it like like this? Like we're like on like oh no 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 it would mostly involve typing normally I don't okay, do that's what any, I, I any kind of calls but like video chat. I mean video <laughs> chats can be a bit overwhelming from the most part but I think recently I've gotten better at talking not through calls but more so through gaming and you can kind of create a party where you can hear them and you can't see them but you'll still be doing different things in the game together and objectives and quests and stuff where it's that's kind of my favorite uh socializing exactly my son does that (laughs) a lot and that's how he most of his friendships are is kind of communicating playing a game but kind of talking about the game and doing so i yeah i love that yeah i love yeah and I actually do the same thing. I mean, I, I'm going to admit right oh. now I play Fortnite. So <laughs> I totally <laughs> cool. um, And so, you know, getting into that party, meeting those quests and connecting like that. I mean, even though a game can take up to, you know, 30 minutes sometimes, but, you know, that's that's a fun way for me yeah. to do that as well. So Yeah, I do a lot of, of online yeah. gaming lately where it's, that's kind of my preferred way of socializing and getting that social outlet yeah. where... I mean, I also have some friends where we might meet up at their house and eat dinner, you know, and stuff, stuff like that. But it's it's quite different. But I also think it's it's important to have that handful of friends that you're really close to and, and the way that friendships develop. And, you know, you get to know people and get very close. But also sometimes it can also be a very close friendship, even if it's just online and you game with them. Uh, yeah, I don't think people necessarily all understand that. So it's nice to hear you say that. No, my, my parents didn't understand <laughs> yeah. that at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was also a weird concept because we grew up in that time where it suddenly became a thing where you could get to know people online. And they were very surprised when suddenly I wanted to hang out with people that I've met online. And that was a scary concept for them as well. You know? <laughs> but it, it worked out fine. And I got a lot of really great friendships and, you know, sometimes even traveled uh, with my boyfriend that we we would meet people that we had met online and actually just chatted with online it was wow. it was a very very good experience that's um, really that's cool yeah, yeah. that's cool mm-hmm. thank you for tuning in to part one of our conversation with martin be sure to join us next week for part two where we will dive deeper into his thoughts about interception stimming and more don't miss it we love hearing from you so if you have questions comments or just want to connect You can find our links to LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram on our show notes. Feel free to drop us a message, leave us a comment, or ask a question, or just share your thoughts with us. Your thoughts matter, and we can't wait to hear from you.